Morning, everyone. Morning. How are we all doing? Oh, well, some are, some are all right. Some still undecided. Okay, so this morning I just wanted to start, as we said, by briefly outlining the difference between christening or infant baptism and being dedicated and being baptised. Now, most of you probably understand the differences, but as people join us as a church and come from different backgrounds, it's perhaps important to explain what the differences are. Uh, and I just want to bring then a few thoughts about dedication after that. So here is the Church of Junction 10. We believe that baptism is for believers, those who've made a definite decision to follow Jesus and want to demonstrate their, publicly their commitment to the church family. And we read in the books of Luke and Acts, John the Baptist and Peter preach, repent and be baptised. We look at Acts 16, where the earthquake came and Paul and Silas were in prison. The jailer and his family heard them preach and they believed, that they were, uh, they believed sorry, and they were baptised. So baptism is for those who believe, yeah? Good. Um, those who've heard the good news of Jesus. And Jesus also commanded that we go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, which is what we did a few weeks ago if you were here. And so baptism is also a command. Now we usually kind of baptise people from sort of secondary school age, thereabouts, because it's important the person who's heard the good news has fully understood it. Because who knows there's a difference between hearing and understanding. You can hear something, but not understand it. And I, I said this in the baptism, it reminded me of a joke. <laughs> that, oh, that, it's that funny, it's that funny. There was a little boy, you, most of you probably heard this as well, there was a little boy who said to his granddad, Granddad, can you make a noise like a frog? And the little boy and the granddad looks at him and goes, does his best frog impression. Rabbit. And the little boy says, yeah. And Grandad says, well, why did you ask me to do that? And he says, well, Daddy says when you croak it, we're going to Disneyland. <laughs> See, he'd heard, but he hadn't understood. Yeah. You can use that one later at home. The child heard what the father said, but he didn't fully understand it. Now, we said secondary school age, but there's no kind of strict limit about being baptised. But that kind of feels about right in terms of someone hearing the news and being able to understand it and express why they want to be baptised. Pages stuck together. And it's because of that and because we understand that baptism is for believers that we don't do infant baptism or christening because the child or the infant being christened or baptised probably hasn't made that decision for themselves it's somebody else making that decision for them now this morning if you were baptized or if you were christened as a child there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with it it's an accepted part in a large kind of sections of the church and Nicky Gumball the guy behind Alpha he christens children and I think most people think he's a pretty solid guy and sound in his faith so it's not a problem if you were but if you were christened or baptized, or baptized as an infant, as a child, and you haven't been baptized as an adult, can I encourage you to think about it at the very least? Yeah, we'll have another baptism coming up. We've already got somebody on the waiting list uh, for next Well, one definite and a lot more saying that they want to do it. So we probably have one not too long away. So if you haven't been baptized yet, then, then think about it. So we don't baptize children. And, you know, 
dedication is not the same as a baptism, but it's not a second best either. Because did you know Jesus was dedicated? Yeah, Jesus, we read in Luke 2, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to the temple to present him. Other versions say, um, have him dedicated. They offered a sacrifice, as the law of the Lord said. Because he said, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So we dedicate children because we want to say thank you to God for them. We want to welcome them into the family. When they're dedicated a little bit younger, maybe we thank God for bringing mom through the uh, pregnancy safely. And their parents or parents are also making that public statement that they will bring their child up to know God, to bring them up according to what the Bible teaches. And so this morning we've dedicated Jenny's two youngest. And in the space of four Sundays, four Sundays, we've seen the whole family get baptised or dedicated. And, and the mom, Anita, or Teresa, as I tried to rename her in the baptismal tank, get baptised too. And hopefully from your reaction, that's an encouragement to us all. And it's certainly been encouraging over doing a short course online with them, seeing their hunger to know more and to read the Bible. And when choosing a baptism song, Jenny selected the one that asked, who will take the lead? Because she was saying, I will. I'll take the lead with my family to tell them about Jesus. And Jenny, keep going because you're doing a good job. But hearing Jenny's commitment to her family, it reminded me of a mum in the Bible. And a story of dedication, which you'll probably be familiar with. Of course, I'm talking about Hannah and Samuel. And we read at the start of 1 Samuel how Hannah is married to Elkanah. She's one of two wives, the other being Penina. Penina, not Panini. <laughs> Penina had children, but Hannah didn't. And Panini used to provoke and irritate Hannah because of it. I did read that Elkanah only took Penina as a wife because Hannah couldn't have children. I don't know whether that's correct or not. But what we do know is that Elkanah loved Hannah. And he gave her a double portion of meat on the day of sacrifice. And he was clearly upset when Hannah was upset. We read that he says, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Maybe a bit clumsily said as a bloke. But he's saying, come on, it's just us. We're, we're good as we are. You don't need kids. Perhaps a bit, a bit insensitive because that's what Hannah really wanted. But, but that's, that's, he's, he's trying to encourage her. But as she wept, Hannah prayed to God. And in her anguish, she pleaded with him. And last week we had Dave here. And he said one occasion when he made a deal with God. Yeah, remember if you were here last week? Hannah made a deal with God. Hannah said, if you only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. I do wonder what Samuel think, thought about that promise about not having a razor used on his head. You know, I hope he liked long hair. But we read in verse 20 that Hannah became pregnant. You know, she made the deal, God heard her. And we'll pick up the chapter from verse 21 and we're looking at the message version. It'll come up on the screen behind me. So when Elkanah next took his family on their annual trip to Shiloh to worship God, offering sacrifices and keeping his vow, Hannah didn't go. She told her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll bring, you, I'll bring him myself and present him before God. 
And that's where he'll stay for good. Elkanah said to his wife, do what you think is best. Wise man. (laughs) Do what you think is best. Stay home until you have weaned him. Yes, let God complete what he has begun. So she did. She stayed home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Then she took him up to Shiloh, bringing also the makings of a generous sacrificial meal, a prize ball, flour and wine. The child was so young to be sent off. They first butchered the bull, then brought the child to Eli. Hannah said, excuse me, sir, would you believe that I'm the very woman who was standing here here before you at this spot praying to God? I prayed for this child and God gave me what I asked for. And now I've dedicated him to God. He's dedicated to God for life. There and then they worship God. Now I do just need to check something. Jenny, having had your your youngest two dedicated today, and before anybody else, before anybody else gets any ideas, you've got to take them home. Okay? You've got to take them home. You, you can't leave them here today. Okay? Nobody else. If, I if only I'd known that. <laughs> You're all thinking it, aren't you? No, mum's that. Now, Hannah, we read Hannah says, I prayed for this child and God gave me what I asked for. And now I have dedicated him to God. He's dedicated to God for life. Those are Hannah's words as she brings her young son, Samuel, to Eli the priest and leaves him there to be raised in a temple. I don't know about you, but when I I read this passage when I was growing up, it may be a bit sad. Maybe a bit sad and a bit puzzled. Because here you've got Hannah, who knew the anguish of being a Jewish woman without a child. She wanted nothing more than a son. She poured out her soul to, to God. He heard her cry and he gave her a son. She finally had the thing that she most desired. The thing that she longed after. She named him Samuel, meaning heard of God. She knew that God had heard that. He was her delight, her gift. But now she's leaving him alone in the temple. Now, How could Hannah do such a thing? Was having a son not so great after all? You know, I've had him for a bit and... Mm, I'm not sure. Um, and what about poor Samuel being separated from mom and family? But of course, we know, don't we, that Hannah was just being obedient to God. She'd made the deal with him. Give me a son and I'll give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Hannah recognised that Samuel was a gift. All, gi- all kids are a gift. And she, that she, it was a gift, Samuel was a gift that she was blessed with. But ultimately, he belonged to God. You know, it's tough. That can be a tough situation. I'm sure Hannah had kind of a, a, a mixture of emotions. But she could trust. She had the faith to trust God with Samuel because she knew God and knew his character. As you read in her prayers in the first couple of chapters of 1 Samuel, you hear her heart. She knows him as, she knows him as Lord. She knows him as God Almighty, the giver of all gifts. She worships him, knowing who he is and who she is in his presence. She seeks God honestly and humbly in prayer. Her prayers are fervent and she she lays it all out there for God in her anguish. She describes in her prayer how she pours out her soul in grief. And when she finishes praying, she leaves it with God. She demonstrates her faith through obedience, even though that came at a big sacrifice. 
You know, we joked about, you know, leaving them here at the end of the service. But you don't want to be separated from your kids, do you? She longed for this child. She loved him. But her love for God was greater. And she demonstrated that by leaving Samuel in the temple. Hannah trusted God and that his plan for Samuel is better than hers or her plan. She perhaps didn't understand it, but she trusted it. She'd learned through her life to wait on God and trust in his sovereignty. And fifthly, Hannah praised God in all circumstances. And we won't go, but if you can go and look at the second chapter, it's her prayer right after leaving Samuel. How she must have felt leaving him, going back without him. And yet she says, my heart exalts and triumphs in the Lord. My strength is lifted up in the Lord. There is none holy like you, Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Now, it's thought that Hannah took Samuel to the temple when he was about three years of age. And at that time, she could not have known what God's plan for Samuel was. She could not have known it. But we read, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And let none of his words fall to the ground. And then when we, when we saw it, see later on how Samuel's word influenced the whole of a nation. So what an example Hannah sets to mums and dads as to how to dedicate a child. Yeah, how to give them back to God. And I'll say, although we don't drop children off at the temple door anymore, it's like, they are, you look after them now. As a parent, it's important that we teach him the importance of knowing God Seeking God, obedience, submission, your will, not mine, God. And praying, praising, sorry, in every circumstance. So the role of the parent in the dedication is important. But don't forget, as we just dedicated the two this morning, it wasn't just Jenny who made a commitment. As a church, we were all asked to respond, weren't we? There's an old saying, takes a village to raise a child. Yeah? And I know one church where the leader would accept requests from anybody to dedicate children, whether the family were in the church or not. And on one hand, I understand that. It was a great opportunity to get folks in, to pray for them, to pray for the child. But it's a bit awkward in the congregation then when you like sort of stand up if you're committing, thinking, I don't know who this person is and I don't think I'll ever see them again. I heard that one, one family came from, from London up uh, to... Uh, to be dedicated it was a bit tricky there but obviously we could still pray for the child and we can pray for Ira, Ira and Roman this morning and arguably that's the most important thing that we can do for someone but as we go through that kind of request of us as a congregation it feels like there's that requirement to be actively involved yeah, to help bring up the young children in our church. Yeah, we've got a great team. We've, we've heard people thank God for, for our kids this morning. And it feels like we've all got that, that part in it. Because we, we need to support each other because bringing up kids isn't easy. Yeah, and if you're a parent, you can say that. If you're not a parent this morning, then trust me, you've been a child so you can ask your parents about it. And we all have to support each other in this. 
It's not easy raising kids. I'm thankful for Justine's skills as a mom and that we're blessed with family close by to help with our two and friends that contribute to their lives too. But not everyone's that fortunate, including some folks here today, which is why we all need to look after each other as a family. You know, leaving Samuel at the age of three, it wasn't just, it was his whole development that Hannah was entrusting to Eli. It wasn't just his spiritual well-being and growth. It was his whole development. You know, and that spoke to me this morning that we're so thankful for Sue and the team who, look, who serve our kids so brilliantly, for Bridie and Becky who look after the creche. But we can all do something. Even if you're not on those teams, we can all do something to encourage. Phil spoken about the encouragement he got from the guy at Streetly who used to give him have sweets ready all the time. And I know others who support our young people in other ways, such as giving tuition out. We can all do something to support our young people. Because it's difficult. And let, let me give you a few stats uh, about children. These are current stats at the moment. They're coming up on the screen. There are 3.9 million children living in poverty in the UK. 33% of children in the West Midlands are living in poverty. In our own patch here, Walsall South, which, inc which includes Darleston and Allenwell, that figure is 42.9%. You know, and, and it's stretching what we understand because 75% of children living in poverty have one working parent. And because they've got a working parent, it means that they're then excluded from some of the um, support that's available, such as school meals maybe. That's the reality that people are facing. And living in poverty is classed as growing up in a household with an income below 60% of, of the average income. Now, the average income in the, in the UK is around about 31,000, slightly less up north, slightly more down south. But there's, what was it, 3.9 million children living in poverty. And children growing up in poverty are more likely to underachieve academically suffer with physical health and mental health problems later in life, not get the, the good housing. So our kids are facing huge challenges, aren't they? They're facing huge challenges today. And being in church doesn't make you immune from that situation. The people, I'm sure, who've seen those figures are thinking, I know kids in that situation. My own kids might be in that situation. And I'm sure all of us, if... if most of us, if not all of us, are noticing the rising costs at the moment. And whereas it may have been no trouble a year or so ago putting a few extra items in the basket to bring to food bank, it's becoming a bit more challenging now, isn't it, to do that. Generosity is great when you've got. Generosity is a bit more challenging when you haven't. But can I encourage you this morning that we shouldn't stop looking outwards at this time, a time when there's a challenge to each and every one of us. We should continue to look outwards because we serve a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah, every resource is his. Every rich, all the riches are his. He's able to meet every need. Yeah, sometimes we need to learn what's a need and what's a want, but he can meet every need.
You know, the church has stepped up in recent years to help people meet needs in the natural, feeding people and clothing people. And that's important because Jesus says, we'll be asked, did you feed me? Did you clothe me? But that need is seemingly only getting greater and greater. And while the church has stepped up in the natural, it's starting to feel like meeting the natural needs of others is going to take a supernatural effort. Yeah? It feels that way, that, you know, the, talk, the call went out, the challenge went out to support people. The church has met it. But actually, these days, it feels like it's going to take a supernatural effort to meet those very natural needs. So this morning, keep looking outwards. Keep thinking and praying, how can we practically support, and su- practically support and encourage each other at this time? How can we instruct and guide our children? Yeah, you know, the greatest lesson our kids can learn, could learn at this time, is that despite all the challenges and all the gloom that they hear about and that they may be experiencing, at that moment, we as a church people are those who trust in God, who have a hope that is greater than any fear. And if the kids can see that in us, that will be perhaps the greatest lesson that they could learn. We're a people who are generous despite of the situation who trust God will come through. And just in the same way as Hannah did, it's important our young people see us living out the importance of knowing God, seeking God, obedience, submission, and praising in every circumstances. Because God used Samuel to change a nation. Change a nation. Feels like our nation could do with a bit of a change, doesn't it? Samuel's got great faith and he's an obedient servant. He saw faith lived out through his mom. She taught him, not only through her words, but more importantly, through her actions. He was then taught about God and about how to respond to the call of God by Eli and those in the temple. So this morning, we've all got a challenge when we bring children to dedicate them, because we've all got a part to play. And who knows how many Samuels we may have had, we may have here this morning. Let's close our eyes and pray. So there's a bit of a challenge there this morning and I'm conscious that some people may be here and may be facing really tough times and not sure whether the money's going to go on food or whether the money's going to go on heating and situations like that. And if that's you this morning, as people have got their, their eyes closed, If you want prayer, just pop your hand up because, as I said, it feels like you're going to need a supernatural response to these natural issues. So if you're in that situation and you feel comfortable popping your hand up, I won't identify you or who you are, but we can pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your provision to us. Lord, you know the situation and circumstances each one of us are in. And Lord, as we look at the reality of the world and our day-to-day lives, 
help us to keep sight of you. Help us to keep sight and keep in our heads that you do own the cattle on a thousand hills. That you have all the riches are yours. Lord, that you will supply every need. Lord, we have to trust in you. It's a lesson that we that we have to go through. But Lord, help us to, as we go through our lives to keep, to keep looking outwards. To see the needs and where we can meet them. Lord, even as we're here now, Lord, that you may have just planted seeds of, of ministries as to how we can help those around us, those within us as well. Lord, help us to see people as you do, to love people as you do, to meet the needs where we can. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening this morning. I'll hand back to the team.